It is good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning continues our series on the story of Jesus. And we started off with His birth. And we're going through the words of the song that we're using as, as kind of our theme song. And we started off with glory to God in the highest and the birth of Jesus. Today's lesson is on the second verse, or at least the first part of the second verse, fasting alone in the desert. We're going to be looking today at the temptations of Jesus. As we look at this passage, there are a couple of different places that we find the temptations of Jesus. Both of them are in chapter 4 of Matthew and chapter 4 of Luke. And usually I use the, the Luke version, but Today I decided to go with the, the text in Matthew. There are a couple of differences in the order of the temptations. And it is believed that one is to be chronological and the other is in matters of importance. Um, in order of importance. Matthew's would be in chronological order. But Luke was a little... He was a doctor and so he was a, a little more uh, attention to detail. And so maybe his account was in order of importance. I believe that was how that, that is believed to go, but we're going to use Matthew's account today. We first of all see that as we look at the temptations of Jesus, that we are looking overall at Jesus versus the devil. Jesus we know to be the Son of the living God. Jesus was born to earthly parents, Joseph and Mary. He was sent for the purpose of saving man from his sins. To save man, he would be forced to offer his life as a sacrifice. Later in his prayer, we learn that though it was his Father's will and the only way for man to be saved, he prayed that he might avoid it if possible. Offering himself as a sacrifice was far from a joyful experience for Jesus as God's Son or for God Himself as the Father. The devil we might refer to as the seed of sin himself. He is the one that appeared to Eve tempting her to partake of the forbidden fruit. Because of this act, man was banished from the perfect garden of Eden. In addition to banishment, the punishment of man was to work to provide for his family and for woman to suffer the pain of childbirth and allowing her husband to lead them. Though he is given power in the world, it is only power that is given to him by God. As was the case with Job, he may tempt us, but he cannot control life and death. Satan is only given power over us if we give in to his temptations, forsaking the commands of God. He is allowed to tempt us, but he is only allowed power over us if we give in. And as far as Jesus is concerned, he only 
allow Satan to have power over him if he gives in to temptation. But as we see, he doesn't. And that's very important for us as Christians. We also notice here in this text that it is within the will of God that Jesus be tempted. If we look first at verse 1 of Matthew 4, it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit. He wasn't led up into the mountain by Satan, but he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This was of the will of God. This was not something that that God didn't want to happen. It was something that needed to happen. It happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This was a very important event. Even though the temptations were not new, they go back to the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3. Even though they are not new, full victory over such is only understood and granted through Christ's own victory over Satan. Jesus gives man the realization that overcoming temptation is possible through the power of God. We have one lesson objective for today. To study the temptations of Jesus to learn how we can overcome those same temptations in our lives. We're told in Scripture that there's nothing new under the sun. And even though there are many things that, that we face today that may not have been faced back then, the type of temptation hasn't changed at all. We're all affected by the same temptations. And we can all overcome them the same way that Jesus did. Let's start with temptation number one. Stones and the bread. And we'll go in the order that they are in Matthew. We begin with verse 2. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 2. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In fasting, Jesus had dedicated Himself fully to prayer. Forty days, forty nights, Jesus had spent time in prayer. In this forty days and nights, He did not eat a single morsel of food, obviously making Him hungry at the end. So as we look at Jesus and as we look at His temptations, we see that He was in such deep prayer that He had not even thought of food. He was not hungry until the end of that time of fasting. This reminds us that Jesus, though the Son of God, 
was also fully human in His coming to earth. He hungered as we do. He thirsted as we do. He was tired and sorrowful just as we might be. Jesus was very much like any of us. Satan tried to use Christ's humanness against him, hoping to divert him from his original plan in coming to earth. And what was Jesus' purpose in coming to earth? His purpose was to save man. Had Jesus given in to any of the temptations, he could no longer have been the perfect sacrifice needed for our sins and prophecy would not be fulfilled. We read of Jesus' perfection even in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53 and verse 9 and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth the words of Isaiah's prophecy could not have been fulfilled in their entirety if Jesus had given in to the temptations with which he was faced. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 tells us of the importance of this event. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He could not be without sin if he gave in to temptation. We're also reminded of something that was particular to the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The sacrifices of the Old Testament were required to meet certain specifications and one of those is that they be without blemish. Jesus could not have fulfilled the demands of a perfect sacrifice if he had given in to temptation. So it was very important that he overcome these temptations not just for his own sake but for the sake of mankind and for the sake of the purpose for which he came to earth. On this occasion we see that Satan used the lust of the flesh to tempt Jesus. This is one of the three types of temptations that all are faced with, past and present. And we see all of these mentioned in Jesus' temptations. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. As we look back to the Old Testament once again, and we look at the first time that sin was committed, we understand that Eve was also faced with the lust of the flesh and her temptations. And she was faced with all of the temptations. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, 
she saw that the tree was good for food. Jesus reveals how we should overcome temptation by use of Scripture. Now, to use Scripture to avoid the temptations of the devil, we have to know the Scripture. Jesus certainly knew Scripture better than anyone else. In this case, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, but you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God fed the people in the wilderness. He took care of their every need so that they had no need. God took care of them. He provided them with food. And He did so with a reason in mind. That He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus used this to prove a point to Satan. It's not about food. Food is important to the physical body. But even more important is what he had just been through. Uh, that time of prayer and fasting, 40 days and 40 nights focusing on God, focusing on what God can do. That was even important for even the Son of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Now Jesus could have turned stones into bread. But He understood something very important. That God is the one that we should be focused on. God will provide for us. As we pray to Him, He provides for us. We need to focus on Him. God has given us the proper tools to overcome the temptations of Satan. And it's up to us to learn how to use them properly. We learn how to use God's Word by diligent study and dedication and application. Eve had the proper tools in knowing the command of God, Genesis 3, verses 2 and 3, but she chose to believe Satan's lies instead of God's truth. That was the problem. 
in her case. Jesus used the tools that He had been given, namely the Scriptures. And now we transition to temptation number two, tempting the Lord. Matthew 4, verses 5 through 7, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. We are reminded here that as important as it is to use Scripture to overcome temptation, the Father of all temptation also knows Scripture. Satan knows the words of God. The scripture that was part of this temptation was misused and misrepresented. It came from Psalm 91, verses 9 through 12. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is a promise made to all who will put their trust in God. However, it is not meant for any to put themselves in harm's way to show the power of God. And it wasn't up to Jesus to do that either. He couldn't put himself in harm's way without sinning because he would be tempting the Lord. The purpose of the song was to encourage faith in God. And Jesus recognized the difference in the truth versus the twist. Jesus in verse 7 of Matthew 4 says it is written again as he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 16 through 18 you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God his testimonies and his statutes which He has commanded you, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you. God has not promised to, perfect, to protect His children from harm while they are doing wrong. For Jesus to do as Satan suggested, He would then be committing the sin of presumption. Presumption that God would always protect Him no matter what. And we cannot make that presumption and neither could he. Satan's inference is that God promising to protect dedicated men would especially protect his own son. If he is going to protect anyone of faith 
anyone acting in faith, then he's of course going to protect his son. He was tempting God to show his marvelous power to the world. And though it might have turned some hearts, it would not have saved the world as he had intended from the beginning. Jesus was tempted with the pride of life. Man often desires to show others that he is better, stronger, capable of performing tasks that others cannot. Had Jesus given in, the world would have been shown to some degree the power of God. However, the purpose of Jesus' coming would not have been fulfilled. Jesus came not in pride, but in humility. He came not as a king, but as a servant. His purpose when showing the power of God was to turn wayward hearts to Him. The purpose here would have only been to show that He was powerful. Showing His power was never the motivation behind any display of God's magnificence. Finally, we notice temptation number three. Worship me. And Satan says, worship me. Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Now, in regard to what Satan suggests, we might ask the question, were the kingdoms of the world under Satan's control? Were these his to give to Jesus? If not, where is the temptation? If they weren't in his control, then what would he be, be tempting Jesus with that he didn't already have coming? On three occasions, Satan is referred to in Scripture as the ruler of this world. John 12 and verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Certainly not a reference to anything or any one of God. But a reference to Satan himself. John 14 and verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. John 16, verses 8 through 11. And when he has come, 
He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged Jesus was speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit the Comforter who would convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of judgment as according to verse 11 because the ruler of this world obviously Satan is judged Satan does have control over the world we live in we understand that Satan was given power and control over the world for a time but ultimately, the victory of Jesus in His resurrection from the dead meant that this rule would one day come to an end. And that is promised. Satan will one day not rule this world any longer. When the world is destroyed, when we are to, to go to the Father, when we are raised up, to be with Him forever. Satan's power over us is also limited to that time unless we allow Him more power. Unless we give in to temptation. But did Jesus need to claim this victory by death on the cross? That's an interesting question. You see, what Satan offers Jesus is the opportunity to avoid the cross. You look at all the kingdoms of the world, I will give them to you. Satan was the ruler of them, so he had the ability to do that. I will give them to you. Everything is ultimately in the hands of God and under His control. Jesus wanted to be king of the world, not in the sense of, of pride or anything like that, but He wanted to be king of the world and that He wanted to save the world. But what if He could be given the world? What if, if the, the people of the world could understand who He was? without having to go to the cross. Herein lies the temptation of Satan. You see, Jesus didn't want to die for the sins of the world. Don't get me wrong, he knew that he had to. In order to save the world, he was the only one that could offer himself as a sacrifice. But Jesus didn't want to do that. Take into account the words that He spoke to His Father in prayer. In Matthew 26, verses 39-42. Verse 39, He says, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, 
Not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42, again he says, Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. It wasn't that Jesus wanted to go to the cross. He didn't. And if he had the opportunity to, to avoid it, if there was a way that he could do it, he wished that the Father's will be done in all things. If you can allow this cup to pass from me, then, then please do. But if I've got to go to the cross, then I will. But Jesus didn't want to die. He didn't want to go through that pain and suffering. And even in his, some of his final words to his father, he says, Your will be done. Not as I will. But your will be done. Jesus went to the cross because it was His Father's will. Satan offered to Jesus a way to conquer the world by joining Him. And He wouldn't have to suffer the way He was to suffer. He didn't have to die the way He would die. And I think Jesus knew what He was going to face. As He asked us to count the cost of Christianity, He's already done that. He, caught, he counted the cost before he came and he knew that men would revile him that, that men would make fun of him and, 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 and try to kill him even he knew but he also knew that it was his father's will to save man by sacrificing his life the sin Jesus was tempted with on this occasion was the lust of the eyes. Seeing the kingdoms of the world being offered power over them would be tempting to any man. Jesus was offered the ability to fulfill His purpose, at least for the most part, without the cross. People would recognize Him and he would rule over the kingdoms of the world. He would be second in command to Satan. And he wouldn't have to go to the cross. But Jesus has before resisted such temptation. Quoting once again scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 10 through 15. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities, which you did not build, houses full of all good things, which you did not, uh, which you did not fill, hewn out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him, and shall take oath in His name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. 
We're reminded here of the Ten Commandments, and the first of which are, as we read in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 6, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Our allegiance and devotion can only be to God. We cannot serve two masters. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For he will, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. When Satan said, you bow down and worship me and I will give you all these things. There's temptation. There's temptation to do so. But Jesus knew better. He had a close relationship with the Father and He knew the commands. And He knew that He was also subject to them. That He too could place no other gods before Him. God his father. Jesus was tempted. All points just as we are. Yet he was without sin. We are not perfect in this world. We often make mistakes. We do things that we know are wrong. Yet Jesus showed us a better way. He showed us that even though we are tempted by Satan, that we can overcome. Does that mean that, that we can be perfect not in this life, but we can be perfect in His sight if we continue to serve Him? And He showed us how to overcome by quoting Scripture. By knowing Scripture. By knowing what God had to say. And that involves more than listening to a sermon on Sunday morning. It involves dedication. We need to dig deep in God's Word. We need to do it on our own time as well. Jesus showed us that by knowing Scripture, by knowing God's Word, and by dedicating ourselves to only Him and no other, that we, too, can overcome temptation. Matthew 4, verse 11. We are told that the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. In what way the angels ministered to him, we're not completely sure. I'm sure they, they ministered to his physical needs to some degree. 
but also his emotional need. He had stood against Satan himself. Had remained in control the entire time. He had won the battle, but but as in any battle, we we can can see that, that there is some damage. We see those that go to war and they come back and and they have PTSD issues and and things of that nature. And we see that there's damage in coming back from battle. Even if you've won the war or won the battle, there's some kind of damage. And with Jesus, we see that He needed ministering to. And so the angels were sent to do so. But Jesus won. He was victorious, and through His victory over Satan, we can be victorious as well. Now, how are we victorious? We become victorious, first of all, in obedience to the gospel. By faith, hearing, believing, we must repent, must change our lives, must turn away from the way that we have been living, and turn to God in repentance. We confess our faith in Christ. That we believe Him to be the Son of the living God and we, we are baptized for the remission of sins as according to the Word of God. But it doesn't end there, you see. It continues in faithful service. If we don't live a faithful life to God, our obedience to the Gospel is worthless. It doesn't matter if we've been baptized for the mission of our sins. It's worthless if we fail to live faithfully. So we must live faithful until the end. We're told that if we do live faithfully, that we'll be rewarded. The crown of life. We'll be in the presence of God for eternity. I don't know where you stand today. I don't know if you're a faithful child of God or not. But if you need to come in obedience, or if you need to come in repentance, if you need to rededicate your life to Him, if you need to ask for prayer, for forgiveness on your behalf, we offer you the opportunity, as we always do, to come. As together we stand and sing the song of invitation. You love to temptation.